Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. If you're in the greater Boston area and are wanting to grow in your walk with God, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information about our service times. Here at International Family Church, we believe that everyone is significant and that God designed you with a purpose. One of the ways you can discover that purpose is through serving on a dream team. The dream team is a group of incredible people that have discovered their gifts and passions and are using them to serve others. If you're interested in joining a dream team or want to stay up to date on what is happening, please visit intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on social media. Now here's Pastor Jonathan with part five of our current series, Hashtag Blessed. Come on, let's pray for God's word today. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your word today. I believe, Lord, that what you have to say to us really is life-changing. It, it's, it rearranges our priorities. It helps us understand your heart. So, Father, thank you for your word coming across with clarity, with accuracy, and simplicity today so we can immediately apply what you say to our everyday life. Well, be so careful, as always, to give you all the praise, all the glory and honor, for you're the only one that's worthy of what takes place from this point forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said a big amen today. Again, welcome to part five in our series, Hashtag Blessed. It's been a great series. I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy your comments, so thank you for your comments. Thank you for your testimonies. Thank you for the encouragement, um, and it's really been a, a blessing to me to hear your thoughts and your comments uh, about this series, how much it's helping you. And we started off the series establishing a baseline, a definition of what it means to be blessed. And here it is again. Um, let's say this out loud together, this definition for blessed. Read it with me. Ongoing increase, possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. Man, that's God's will for you. That's God's will for my family. That's God's will for your family. Absolutely, that God would bless you in such a way that there's more than enough for you. You're not just living in not enough, which so many have. You're not just living in that big, muddy middle of just enough, just you and a few other needs being met for your own family. But God wants us to be have more than enough so we have the ability to be a blessing to others, to give to others. Last week, I quoted a very powerful statement from Billy Graham concerning money. He said this, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it'll help straighten out almost every other area of his life. Wow. That's just so true. That when, when you get your money in order, it really is amazing. It's uncanny how it spreads throughout your entire life. It really does. And it really sets the tone for order in the rest of your house, in the rest of those relationships, in the rest of, of the issues that we all face on a regular basis. So we talked about how money is a great revealer. It really does. How you handle your money reveals volumes about your priorities, about your loyalties, about your affections. Money is the great revealer. That's why many of us don't like talking about money. We don't like dealing with our own money and the issues that we might have surrounding money because it reveals so many other things about our lives. And consider this today. There are 500 verses in the Bible on the subject of prayer, an important subject. There are over 700 verses in the Bible on the subject of love, a very important subject. 
But there are over 2,100 verses in the Bible concerning money and your possessions. Very revealing. 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught had something to say about money. So money is an important subject. We can't get away from it. We think, well, that's, 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 you know, that's, that's, you know, fleshy or that's worldly or that's not as spiritual as other subjects. Well, I, I beg to differ with you. Uh, according to what we read in God's word, it's a very spiritual subject. It's a very important subject. And it's one that we must handle carefully and in love and compassion, but in truth today, because it will help every area of our lives. God has a system on how we should handle our money. God has a financial plan for our lives that we must understand. We really do. We need to understand it, especially in the day that we're living in today, and how challenging it is to live financially today uh, and to continue to pay all these bills and bless your family and provide for all the things that are out there. My goodness, it's, it's, it's a very important subject. What most Christians fail to comprehend is tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. There's a popular scripture found in Matthew 6.21. It says this, for, whatever, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a powerful scripture. It's a very revealing scripture. Many believers, many Christians quote it wrong. Many say the other way around. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. It's not what it says. It says where your treasure is, your heart will be. Meaning wherever you put your treasure, your heart follows your treasure. You put your heart and you put your treasure in God, your heart goes there. You put your treasure in other things and man's ideas and man's ways and just hustle and all those things, that's where your heart goes. So where your treasure is, is a great revealer. It reveals your passions, your priorities, your affections. And so that verse of scripture becomes very motivating. That verse of scripture says, okay, I need to take inventory of my treasure. I need to take inventory of what I work real hard for. I need to take inventory of what it is that, that I am so diligent about because it means a lot because my heart, my life, the real me is what our heart represents, really follows where your treasure is. The word tithe in the Bible actually means tenth or a tenth part. And, and it's interesting that the number 10 in the Bible represents testing. Represents testing. You know, I'm not a numerologist or I have, I'm no expert in numbers in the Bible, but numbers play a very important part in the Bible. And the number 10 happens to represent testing. Let me give you a few examples. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Well, in other words, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? 10 times. How many commandments are there? In other words, how many ways is our obedience being tested? 10. How many times did God test Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness? And how many times did God test Jacob's heart by allowing his wages to be changed when he was working for Laman? And how many days was Daniel tested in the first chapter of Daniel? Of course, in each case, the answer is 10. The pattern continues in the New Testament in Matthew 10. There were 10 virgins uh, had their um, preparedness tested. 
10 days of testing mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, and Jesus had 10 disciples. Well, actually, he had 12. I'm just testing your knowledge of how many. <laughs> Some of you thought, no, I don't think there's 10, Pastor. I think. The... <laughs> Got you on that one. Some of you, I'm not sure if there was 10 or 12. Um, anyways, what's true, though, is the number 10 associated, is always associated with testing in the Bible. So tithe represents the ultimate heart test for the believer. That's why we get uncomfortable sometimes, especially if our heart is someplace else, especially if we've not been, you know, uh, willing to offer God our money, or we've been angry at every preacher that talks about money. And, and I get it that there are preachers that misuse the subject, and, but just because there are those that misuse it doesn't mean we should stay away from it. Because there's still good truth there. There's still something that's going to help you. There's still something if it's done right and it's done accurately in a simple, compassionate way that we could really learn something without feeling condemned or judged, um, even though our heart uh, is, is sometimes in the way. Tithing is not a money test. It's a heart test. That's been a the theme through this entire series that I'm not talking about money. I know money's involved, but I'm talking more about heart, more about our motivation, more about why we do what we do and why we live the way we do and why we do all those things. And God is simply saying to us, will you trust me? Will you honor me? Will you step out and, 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 and step in faith and put your faith in me? Will you trust me? Will you walk by faith and not by sight? And that's what he's saying in, in, in this entire series about living a blessed life. More significantly, tithing is also the only area where the follower of Christ is invited to test God. There was no other place in the Bible where the Lord says, test me. We read it last week. Read it again here in Malachi 3.10. says, bring the whole tithe, all the 10%, the dime on every dollar, into the storehouse, amen, that there may be food in my house. The storehouse is your local church, that place that you get fed. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. For sure, um, and, and understand that, that tithing is a very important God principle. Yes. Amen. And, and if you're still unsure about this God principle, then take God up on his offer. That's right. Amen. He makes an offer here. He says, test me in this. He says, I double dog dare you. Yes. That's what he's saying. Now, why is he saying test me? Because he knew this would be an issue. He knew in the 21st century we would have an issue with this. And thousands of years uh, before this time uh, that we are in today, man, it was all, money has always been an issue. Trusting God and, and thinking I have this limited amount that I have to work with them. I work hard for my money and I, I'm challenged. And man, I work long hours and I don't always get to enjoy the things I'd like to because I, I work so hard for my money. I, I get it. We're all on the same page. And bless, guess what? God gets it. God gets it. That's why he says, hey, test me in this. And that's why I always extend this friendly challenge to you to do the test. Bring, begin to honor the Lord diligently with your first fruits or your tithe and see what happens. You can't pass the test unless you take the test. 
That's not rocket science, but that's good. Right? You can't pass the test if you don't take the test, right? You're, you know, you've been in school long enough, and some of you are glad you're out. Some of you are still very much involved with that. Well, when you have a test, you got to take it in order to pass it. Well, that's what God is saying to us. Simply take the test. Test me. Trust me. Watch what I will do on your behalf. Amen. Now, tithing is only half of God's plan to enjoy the blessed life. It, it clearly tells us in Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 8, it talks about the tithe and the offering. So it's not just the tithe that brings blessing into our lives. There's also something we need to understand about the offering. Amen. So it's tithes and offerings that brings the blessing. Amen. It's tithes and offerings that rebuke the devourer, which leads to our big takeaway for today. Here's the one main point I want you to understand. Since God is the God of multiplication, what will it take for your money to multiply? Let's talk about multiplication today. Let's talk about God's principle of multiplication. Now, when I say this today, when I, I talk to you about taking your money, what's going to, how will your money multiply? Many of you went here. You went to a place and say, wait, wait, pastor, I only make a certain amount of money an hour, amount an hour. Pastor, where I work, you know, I'm kind of at the top of my promotion place. I don't, there's not much opportunity for promotion. Pastor, I, I, I can't take on another job. I already work too. You know, I don't have enough time as it is with my family to, to, work, more, uh, to work more hours. So we think, we think limited, don't we? We immediately think about what I have. We immediately think what I can do. We immediately think the, the, the increase that I have, the amount of money, whatever that is that you make a year, we immediately think of that and say, I mean, how's that going to grow? Yeah. It's, it's, it is. And so we have a limited mentality versus a multiplication mentality. I want to help you have a multiplication mentality. Amen. Amen. Because all of us, it's so easy for us to have a limited mentality. It really is. Man, it's kind of our default mode, right? It is kind of the place that we kind of drift off to when we're under pressure and we're laid on this and that bill and we're overwhelmed by my, my son wants to play soccer, my daughter wants to dance, and, and, and all these things that take place. And man, it can be just overwhelming to us. No wonder we would be tempted to think limited in, a, in our minds instead of having a multiplication mentality. Is it going to be good today? Well, I have a wonderful news for you. God is able to multiply your money. Yeah, he is. God is able. How do I know that? Well, I know that God multiplied the widow and her son multiplied her oil and her meal. Absolutely multiplied it. Amen. And, and it, it, it not only blessed them, it fed them, and it was something that brought great blessing into her, her life. I know throughout the Bible that God multiplied the strength of the Israelites' armies. Every time they had to fight a battle and the odds were against them, God multiplied their strength. On and on we can go. There are two amazing stories about what happened on a Galilean hillside when Jesus had to feed thousands of people. Great story. 
In fact, I want my points today to come out of that amazing story. One particular time when Jesus had to feed the multitude. Some of you are familiar with this story and others of you are not. So let's all get familiar with this story because I believe it's an absolute great story. In Luke chapter 9, we find one of these accounts of the marvelous multiplication of the feeding of the 5,000. Luke chapter 9, let's start at verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Man, what an awesome story. Let's bring it to the 21st century today. Let's, let's modernize it a little bit. Let's personalize it a little bit. Let's draw some, some amazing insight from this wonderful story of multiplication today. So let's just say that you're one of the disciples. And maybe you were a businessman or businesswoman and you decided to leave that business and follow the Jesus Evangelistic Association. Right? And you were going to be part of the team that helped Jesus perform his miracles and, and gather the people so that Jesus could teach them and, and bring victory and blessing into their lives. Well, this particular day, the group of, of disciples, these group of, of, of workers that were working together decided, you know, they appointed you because they said, you know, Jesus is going a little long here. Usually, Jesus lets the crowd out around 12 o'clock when Christians like to get out of church so that they can beat the Baptists and the Methodists to the restaurants, right? So it's now 12 o'clock. They're getting a little nervous here that Jesus is still going 100 miles an hour, still preaching. Well, they, they, the disciples think, well, you know what, it's, it's, it's okay. Jesus is really having a good time and everybody's enjoying it, so we'll wait a little longer. 12.30, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and he's still going to town. You get picked and say, we pick you to go tell Jesus, Jesus, people are hungry. We, we're hearing these stomachs rumble, and really probably in reality, they were hungry also. And you need to go tell Jesus, and, and, and you get picked. So you're the one that has to go interrupt Jesus while he's speaking. So you go to Jesus and say, you know, excuse me, excuse me, Lord. It's not, you know, I, sorry to interrupt, but, but you know what? It's getting late in the day. The, you know, Papa Gino's is about to close, and, you know, it's, it's pretty far away. We've got a places to go. We're in this remote area, and, man, the, the people are hungry. They haven't eaten all day long. Uh, Jesus, you know, we kind of talked it amongst ourselves, and we think that there's probably a good time right now to kind of dismiss the crowd so they can go get something to eat. What do you think, Jesus? Jesus says, well, I don't, I'm not dismissing. You feed him. Okay, cool. So he goes back and reports to the committee, right? And he goes back to report to his friends. So, so did you tell him? Did you tell him? Yeah, I did. Did you tell him that the people are hungry? Yeah, I did. 
Did he, did he say what time he's going to dismiss? Because you know we got to get to the restaurant. He said, well, not exactly. Well, what do you mean? He, he's not going to dismiss. He wants us to feed him. What? Did I hear you right? He wants us to feed 5,000 men. So that means there were 15 to 20,000 people there that day. Wow. So they get to a plan and they fan out and they go through the crowd of 20,000 people. We need to find some food because we need to feed these people. They come back 30 minutes later, right? And they, they bring all of what they have found. And you know what they found? They found one long silver Happy Meal. <laughs> Two pieces of fried fish and five hush puppies. <laughs> That's all we found? That's all we found. You get picked again. You went already, so go tell Jesus what we found. Uh, excuse me, Lord. Um, you know, we did what you said, and we, we kind of went through the crowd, and we kind of find out what kind of food we have, and all we found, which is not going to be near enough, Jesus, all we found is one long silver Happy Meal. Jesus says, great. Now go divide them in 50s. So you know the story. He goes back to the, the, the committee and said, well, you know, what did he say? He obviously realized it's not enough, right? Well, he, he, he told us, great, and, and get everybody in 50s. So they did that. See, the first miracle that took place that day is the disciples had the presence of mind to actually put 20,000 people in groups of 50. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the first miracle. So then they said, okay, so what did Jesus do? We know that Jesus then took what he had. He took what he had, and guess what he did with it? He put it up to heaven, and he blessed it. See, the disciples thought, this is not enough. And that's exactly one of the first lessons we learn here, because we do the same thing. They're thinking, how in the world is Jesus going to feed 5,000 men, 20,000 people with two pieces of fried fish and five hush puppies? You can't figure out how God's going to make you stretch that money. You can't figure out in the natural, how is God going to bless my little? How is God going to help me pay my bills? And if we're not careful, that's exactly what we do. We're just as guilty as disciples to say, right, he's going to take this little mulch and feed 20,000 people. And how often do we do the same exact thing, right? We do it all the time. Amen. How is God going to provide for our needs? And we think, well, we're trying to figure this out in advance. And well, maybe he'll do this and maybe he'll do that. And it never fails. We're usually wrong. So at that point in time, he blesses this meal and he gives it to his disciples. Think what Peter must have thought about when Peter held a half of a hush puppy in his hand and Jesus told him, break it and give it to your group of 50. I'm sure Peter would have said, did you pray enough? Maybe you should pray some more. But Jesus, Peter obeyed, took a piece, gave it to the first 50, number two, number three, number four, and there was peace after peace after peace. And our, these 12 disciples saw the miracle of multiplication. So much so, we read about the outcome. The outcome was what? 12 basketfuls left over. 
That's amazing. Think about the power of multiplication. This isn't a fairy tale. This is a true story. This is what happens when you put little in the hands of Jesus. This is what happens when you take your little and the best you have and you place it in the hands of Jesus. This is amazing. Twelve basketfuls left over. And the Bible doesn't tell us where those 12 basketfuls of leftovers went. But I have a suspicion that those 12 basketfuls of leftovers went to that mom who thought enough about, because she was obviously the only mom who sent her kid to Jesus' teaching environment with lunch. No other mother mom sent their child with lunch. Thank God for moms who think ahead. We love you moms. Amen. Always thinking ahead for your kids. Well, this mom was obviously a great mom. Amen. And I believe somehow 12 basketfuls showed up at her house that day. She sent her son off with a a Long John Silver Happy Meal and came back with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. That blessed that home, and I bet it blessed the entire neighborhood. Oh, my goodness. Here, it brings us to a very important part of this miraculous story today. The miracle, listen, the miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. The multiplication happened after Jesus blessed it, and then the disciples, in their hands, it multiplied. Now, please, get the point here as we build here. Uh, this is remind you of that amazing outcome. So, so the real-life account here gives us two very important principles I want you to go home with today that really help us understand the two important keys to multiplication in the kingdom of God. You ready for this? Number one, something must be blessed before it can multiply. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. What many Christians fail to understand is that before your money can multiply, it has to be blessed. In order for it to be blessed, the Lord must have it first. I mentioned last week to you that when we give first of the first of our increase, the tithe, the dime on every dollar to the Lord, the rest of that 90% is blessed. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans eleven sixteen: 16, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, or the whole portion. Amen. If the root is holy, so are the branches. There are so many blessings that go along with the tithe, but it's the principle of putting God first, which requires faith to initiate the blessing. It's the trigger. The first portion, the tithe, is the portion that redeems the rest. How do we multiply the 90% that's left over, the part that belongs to you, right? How do we multiply that? Well, the first part has to be blessed. Amen. The first portion carries the blessing. Did you hear that? Okay, stay with me. The first portion carries the blessing. That's why the first portion doesn't go to the mortgage company. That's why the first portion doesn't go to the electric company. That's why the first portion doesn't go to pay off your car every month. Why? Because the mortgage company can't bless that part. That part belongs to God. That's the part God blesses. That's why we don't eat it. That's why we don't spend it on ourselves, right? Because we are squandering the most important part of our money. 
Amen. When we give it to somebody else or someplace else, as noble, as important as it is to pay those particular bills, no doubt the mortgage company can't bless your 90%. The mortgage company can't bless what you need blessed because what you need stretched and what you need to multiply is the rest that you have left over. Amen. Am I in the right house? Yes, the tither says, yeah, I got a stack of bills, but I'm going to give God first and trust him to bless the rest of the money. Amen. See, I've always wondered, and I, I was there. Most Christians never experience multiplication in their money. We didn't. The Del Turco family didn't. Not until we understood this. No, we worked hard. And we worked long hours just like you do. Amen. And, and I, I experienced no multiplication and in my money. Amen. When you give it to the Lord first, the Lord puts his blessing on it. Then and only then does it have the ability to multiply. Jesus is the one who receives the tithe. He is the only one who has the power to bless it. So it has the potential to multiply. That's the first principle of multiplication. The second part that you need to understand today is number two, only what is given away can multiply. Number one, something must be blessed before it can be multiply. And then number two, only what is given away can multiply. So in this example that we've just explored, the disciples had the bread and the fish. It had been blessed it has the potential to multiply, and as they gave it away, it began to multiply. Now, what would have happened if they would have said, you know what, we're going to keep this lunch to ourselves? Twelve people with two fried pieces of fish and five hush puppies, they would have each had a few bites each, right? If they kept it to themselves and ate it themselves, they would have never been satisfied. They would have never had their stomachs full. Right? It would have been extremely selfish of them to hold on to it themselves. It was only as they gave it, it was only after they gave it to Jesus that it had the potential to be multiplied. Right? I've been asked many times to explain the difference between tithes and offerings. More specifically, I've been asked multiple times, is tithing a form of giving? Is tithing a form of giving? Let me give you an example today. I, let's say, make-believe story, I find out that, um, that, that Claire, her car has to go in the shop. So I determine, I say, I, I hear about Claire being without her car for a while. So what do I do? I fill up my gas tank full of gas, and I go to Claire, and I say, Claire, I understand you got an issue here, and you cannot... You're not going to be able to fulfill what you need to do in your responsibilities this week. So, so here's my car, full tank of gas. Help yourself. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. So she uses the car. And a few days later, you know, I get a phone call. And the car's back. And she comes to me and she said, Pastor, you're amazing. I love you. You are just the best pastor. And because of that, Pastor... I want to give you this car. And I think, wait, can she do that? Can she give me that car? What's the answer? No, why? It's not hers. It's mine. I'll take that key back, please. Thank you. 
<laughs> right? It's not hers. See, you can't give what doesn't belong to you. So she doesn't give me that car. What does she do? She returns it to me. Tithers are returners. And once you are a returner, then you're able to be a giver. You can't be a giver until you're first a returner. So I don't give what I, that doesn't belong to me. Amen. So she can't give back this cart to me and give it to me as a gift. Why? Because it's not hers. Amen. They can only say thank you and return it. That's the big difference between tithes and offerings. The tithe is a dime on every dollar that is returned to the Lord via the local church, that place that you get fed. It is what causes your 90% to be blessed. Amen. Come on, stick with me. I'm almost done. Amen. Again, you can't give what doesn't belong to you. The first fruits belong to the Lord. So if you're not currently tithing, man, that's a great place to begin. That's a great place to start. Start being a returner. So you can then qualify to be a giver. You qualify to be a giver when you give above the dime on every dollar. It could be $5. It could be $20. It could be $5 in missions every week. It could be a $20 to your favorite charity. It could be something else to someplace, some person or missionary or whatever the case may be. See, the 90% belongs to you. Offerings are at your discretion. You determine the offering. God determines the tithe. You give it to him, and then it's up to you how much you want to give in the offering. It's the offering portion that you give that is the multiplication factor. Here's a perfect scripture for you in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8. You still here? So glad you came today. Remember this, it says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. It doesn't say how much to return. It says how much to give. Obviously, we know, if you study this, this is talking about offerings. It's not talking about tithe. Amen. It's talking about the offering. Can't be talking about the tithe because the tithe is the no-brainer. The tithe is what belongs to the Lord. We have no choice about that for those who desire to be involved in God's financial plan. Amen. God's already determined that as a tenth. And it goes on to say, and don't give reluctantly your offering or in response to pressure. No pressure zone here. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Wow, that's an attitude adjustment, right? I got to give offerings now? Man, you stretched me already to give a dime on every dollar. Now I got to give an offering? Oh, my. You, know, you don't have to do anything. You get to do it. You don't have to do anything. God doesn't require you of anything. God doesn't say you have to do this. Uh, you want to be blessed. You want to experience the multiplication factor, right? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I love the amplified version of verse 10. Listen to this. And God, who provides seed to the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. 
See, it's talking about the multiplication process of your offering. I'm convinced that God wants to bless and multiply our finances, just as he blessed and multiplied the two fish and five loaves. And the truth is, God can cause your finances to go further than we could ever do through our own cleverness, our own diligence, our own hard work. Amen. Guy, I know this to be true. Mer and I have done this for decades. And for decades, we, could, we have t decades worth of testimonies. And I'm sure many of you tithers and offering givers have equal amount of testimonies to give. God wants your finances blessed. He wants your finances to be multiplied. But you must vitally understand these two principles that we just went over today. And principle number one, it said this, that we return to the Lord first through our tithes, so our, our finances are blessed. Two, we give over and above our tithes, because only that which is given can be multiplied. I have to say it this way. Your tithe is the electric fence that goes around your property. Your tithe, the Bible says, the windows of heaven are opened. When you open the curtains in a dark room in your house, light floods in, doesn't it? You're able to see clearly. You're not in the dark. When I tithe, I totally believe I'm receiving insight. The windows of heaven are open. What is that? Illumination, revelation, creativity, innovation. I receive that every time I tithe. Every time I tithe and present my tithe to the Lord, I say, Father, thank you that the windows of heaven are open over the Del Turco house. I thank you that I have insight on how to love my wife. I have insight on how to love my children. I have insight on how to raise these kids. I have insight to know how to, to handle my family issues. I have, I have revelation. I know what I know to do. I'm a tither. That's a tither's blessing. I would never as a businessman or businesswoman ever not start a business or be involved in a business without tithing off that business. Why? Because innovation, creativity, strategic ideas, know-how on how to, to spread and how to enlarge and expand and bless this business. Absolutely. It's electric fence around my property. The devourer is rebuked. Amen. Now, the seeds I take, my offerings, are the seeds I put in that garden. And that's what grows up and multiplies. That's what grows up and is my harvest. That's what grows up and multiplies my money. I don't know where the money comes from. I've got story after story. Who knew where that money came from? But it came because I put faith in God. It came because I trusted Him. It came because I knew that I couldn't do this by myself. There's no way we're going to do what we're going to do on the salary that I make or this or that or how much money I make an hour, whatever the case may be. If you're in that place frustrated because you, you cannot make ends meet, frustrated that you have more month than you do money. I'm telling you, tithes and offerings are the beautiful purpose, God's plan to help you recognize, man, this is the way to live. These are the principles of multiplication. They're as powerful today as they were on that Galilean hillside. They work for us. They'll work for you. Remember that definition of blessed? Let's go back to that from the beginning of our message. What does it say? Say it with me. Ongoing increase, possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. Wow. 
That's God's will. That's God's plan. That's your future. That's your today. Trust God. Put him to the test. Do the test. Then pass the test. And watch God multiply your money for his honor and for his glory and for your blessing. God doesn't need your money. God wants you blessed. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. That's good stuff today. Hallelujah. Come on, bless him today. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for making it simple and clear for us today. Thank you for answering our questions. And thank you, Father, for giving us, Lord, solutions on, on how to get started and what to do. And we bless you today, Father. Why don't you raise those hands towards heaven today? Let's surrender to this truth today. Lord, I surrender my money. It's hard to do when I have a firm grip on my money. Father, I need to learn how to release my money. Oh, I know you care about my bills. Absolutely. You care about all the needs I have, all the situations with my children and my business and the future desires that we have and that car and that house and all those blessings. Yes, you care about all that and you want us to have it all. But first things first. Lord, thank you for giving us a revelation of the principle of the first. Because when the first is in order, man, the blessings are released. When order is restored, blessings are released. When order is restored in our homes, in our marriage, in our checkbook, man, it's amazing how order spreads throughout our house, spreads in our marriage and our children, spreads in the wisdom and insight that we have on how to live our lives successfully in God. Thank you, Father, that you care about our money. You do. You do. You care about every need that we have. And Father, our hands are raised. We surrender our money to you. We say, I surrender this money to you. I surrender what I make an hour. I surrender what I make over a year. I surrender what's coming in. I, everything that comes in, I surrender it to you. I'm the owner of nothing and the steward of everything. It all belongs to you. It's not mine. Thank you, Father, for your will and your plan today. And Father, I bless this congregation today. Thank you for those who have been tithers a long time. Thank you for their testimony. May they continue to experience the overwhelming goodness of God. For those who've tithed and stopped and started and stopped and started, may they begin to be consistent and trust you and, and believe you and know that you love them so much that you desire them to experience their every need being met. For those of us, Father God, like I was, that just didn't get it, I don't understand it, but we need to take a step. We pray, Father God, that we'll take that step and begin to believe you, Father God, Lord, with, with what we have to offer you out of obedience, Father. And I thank you that you'll show yourself strong and you'll reveal yourself in powerful ways that we'll scratch our heads sometimes and wonder, wow, I don't know how that happened, but it, it happened. And that's the kind of God we serve this divine orchestrator that knows how to take our little as we give it to him and he blesses it and he begins to multiply it for our good. Oh, thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you, Lord. We give you praise today. 
that you're a good God, a faithful God, a God that cares about every need that I have, down to every detail, down to, you know where that bill drawer is that we keep stuffing all those bills in. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loving kindness today. You're so faithful, Father. So faithful. With every head bowed, please. You say, Pastor, man, the greatest miracle that I need is I need to make sure Jesus living in my heart. I need to make sure that my sins are forgiven. I want to make sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I can't do this by myself, and I, I need a divine connection. And that starts by making sure Jesus lives in your heart, that you've welcomed him, and you said, yes, come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me from my sin. I can't do this my way. I need help. I want to make sure heaven is my home. I want to make sure when my life is over on this earth that heaven is my home. I want to be right with you, Father. I don't want to live out here on my own, doing it my way, trying to figure out life the way that I think is best. You hear you say, Pastor, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart, but today I need to. Today I, I heard truth. Today I, I need divine help. Today I, I know that I need to open up my heart and say yes to Jesus today. A brand new start can be yours right now. If you're here in the room or watching us online, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to ask those of you that need Jesus today to raise your hand in just a moment. It's not to embarrass you or it's not to even ask you to come forward because I'm going to do neither of those two things. I want to make sure that you intentionally say, that's me. I'm ready. By an act of my own will, I open up my heart's door and I invite Jesus in today. If that's you today, will you raise your hand nice and high and say, that's me, Pastor. Raise it up high. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Yeah, over there. Thank you. Another one. Thank you. Over there in the back. Thank you. Man, that whole section, that's awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see you all the way back there. Awesome. Who else over here? Anybody else? Raise it up high today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your help, ushers. Yep, thank you. Who else? Man, what a great moment today. Who else? Yes, I see it, son. God bless you. Good for you. Amen. That's awesome. Who else? Raise it up high. We're going to pray in a moment. This is a miracle moment, church. This is awesome. Who else? That's my turn. It's my time. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus and all that he has for me. Anybody else today? Raise it up high before we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's all repeat this prayer after me. And you online, join us with us, please, and say it with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. Oh, do I need you. I don't want to do this by myself. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. And it's my desire to serve you all the days of my life. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive by faith forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. You are alive and well. And now you're alive and well in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Mo. Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. 
Our monthly growth track called Next Steps will help you grow and reach your full potential so that you may start to be a blessing to those around you. Come join us next Sunday to discover how to take the next step. Thanks again for listening.